Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Another week of the Paula Price Show, or as it has recently been renamed, the Jesus in Paula Show, <laughs> because he shows up and. Uh, we end up on the floor somewhere, wondering how did we get here? Was the studio audience? Yes, we have studio audience now, so this is why we get a little rambunctious, a little loud. We have the joy of the Lord. We have some healthy products working in our favor. I tell you, who knows what is going to happen in the studio today. But praise the Lord and hallelujah, we are back by the grace of God for another week of the Paula Price Show. I tell you, I have to start off by talking about the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, June 19th through the 22nd here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are in Tulsa, Oklahoma, not Oklahoma City, Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you're coming to this event, you need to fly into Tulsa unless you are intentionally flying in somewhere else and driving here. <laughs> you know, some, some cities, you have a couple major airports close together and, and you think it, so sometimes people have got a little mixed up about that. So make sure you fly into Tulsa. For this event, we have prophets Hakeem and Naeem Collins, the twin prophets as they are, and they call themselves because they are, and, you know, don't deny. And they are bringing powerful teachings. Jeff Sievers, who is in the media and entertainment industry, is also going to be a speaker. Chief Prophet Paula Price, of course, is a keynote speaker, our one and only author of the Prophet's Dictionary, Prophet's Handbook, and everything prophetic that you probably have in your library. Dr. Paula Price, I'll be teaching an evening seminar, Prophet Angela Yamiba will be teaching an evening seminar, and this is going to be an outstanding one. The activity that we have planned for our registrants is very fun, a little dramatic, but a lot of fun uh, that you'll be doing this year because our events are interactive. It's not just talking heads. We have morning glory prayer. We have praise and worship. We have the teachings and the trainings. At the end, we have personal prophetic ministry. Now, I do want to say we have an allotted time for prophetic ministry on Saturday morning. On a rare occasion, the schedule has shifted. But for the most part, it stays right there. If you are flying out of town before Saturday morning, you will not receive personal ministry. Don't have us up in a, don't have us up in a corner. Please don't try and work us over with some story, whether it's true or not. That we have time set aside for that. So if you can't be here for that, just understand you have forfeited the opportunity. But trust me, you will have so much training and teaching on the inside of you that you will be changed, delivered, and healed probably by halfway through Dr. Price's opening session, which is Thursday. Wednesday evening, we have our Price University graduation and ordination ceremony. You don't want to miss it. This is not an event 
where you can say, oh, let me see the schedule. I'll go see that person. I'll go see that one. I'm going to go to the mall during this one. I'm going to go sightseeing in town. And this is not that kind of event. And we had people who would come, and they said, man, we plan this whole citywide extravaganza. And God here, they're like, we're not going anywhere. Because conferences, you just cherry pick. So you want to see, I came to see this person. I came to hear this person. I want to see that subject. I want to hear that subject. But when you come to our event, I'm telling you, you are locked in. First of all, you will not get a certificate of completion if you are not in all the sessions. Also, don't give me a story about that. Whatever reason, absent is absent, you know, for work, you don't get paid if you don't show up, especially if you're out of time and out of date. And so we have the certificates of completion, but each session, because this is a training institute, a training institute, you are coming to go to school, bring your thinking cap, bring your note-taking devices, not your recording devices, and I will discuss that at the event. But your note-taking devices, because you are in school, what you have to do and present is going to be a representation of what you learned. So this isn't, oh, I'm just going to hear Dr. Price and be out. I mean, you can. But I really haven't seen anybody do that. Because they're like, oh, no, we can't leave. The Spirit of God is so powerful. People say, when I'm here, I'm even asleep because the Lord is talking to me all night long. And everybody's walking around all happy in Jesus, can't even believe they're not falling out because they haven't slept. And they love it. The presence of God, which we have talked about so much and seen so little of. We see people moving in worship. We see people doing things. But, you know, it's not as common as we would like to believe that the Lord himself shows up. And when he does, there's no question that it was him who was there. So you want to be here in June. There's still a few more weeks. We are, we're having people still register, messaging, how do I, I need to make this happen. I'm, I'm, there are so many people who are like, you know what, I have tried for years, and something always jumps up, and I put my foot down, and I'm making it happen. And somebody said, and I'm coming with a seat. I said, well, come on. You and your seat. Come on together. And to bring someone else. <laughs> Talk to someone else this week. So it's never, it's never too late until it's over. <laughs> That's when it's too late, when it's over. We're not over yet. Make it so. It is not good for prophets to miss the windows and timing of God. That doesn't work. You cannot call yourself a prophet if you cannot see the obvious billboard prophetic signs all over the place. God has done in every which way possible but have a hand show up in somebody's building writing on the wall. This is where we are. This is not the year to give the same old excuse. You may have given before. My job, my kids, my family, my whatever. Make it happen. Something that Dr. Christ has taught us, she teaches the prophets and the apostles. The prophet's mantle produces. It makes it happen. It's a wealth-generating mantle. It's a breakthrough-generating mantle. It's a result-generating mantle. So make that mantle work for you. Mm-hmm. And get here. Confronting, disrupting prophets of the pagan age, confronting the darkness. That's where we are. And you don't even understand that a lot of that darkness, all this paganism, is talking to you about not being in your place in God here in Tulsa. Now, our registration is through the roof. So this is not some spiel because our numbers are low at all. In fact, we're double the size that we were last year right now. So that's not the case. This is not some prophetic manipulation. This is just the truth. All right, moving on to our audio archive of the week. I said to Dr. Price today, this one is called what I call is Keys to Wisdom. And the issue.
progresses in this, sounds like this was last year. Sounds like she just did this last week. Because we're here, we're here. One of the things she said, um, she taught on coming into God's kingdom in Deuteronomy chapter 4. And when the Lord was bringing Israel out and in. And how you are to follow the commandments of the God who brought you out is the statement that she made in that teaching. And I thought, whoa, that is true. Whenever you see people who are delivered, in quotes, from other religions into other religions, they are faithful to those gods. They, you got to cut your hair? Well, you know, we cut our hair. If we go live in the mountains, that's what the faithful ones do. We live in the mountains. We cut off family, we cut off family. That's what you do. And so she rolls that out, and she said the importance of God's wisdom. First of all, she talked about how you cannot add or take away from the word using the scriptural foundation. And said that Eve was the first one to add to God's word. Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah, I did say that. Yes, you did. <laughs> it's still true today. Eve was the first one. This is a garden issue that we're going back to at least on the planet. This is the quote that laid me out. She said, the more you emotionally process God's word, the less you will do it the way he wants. She said, because you will use your emotions to talk you into things. You will manipulate it and and twist it and contort it and then say, God told me this is what I should do. Yeah, see, say love. So that's how we get people who say, God told me to do this, and he didn't say that. Not that way. He told you to go to school. But you use your emotions to take that word and twist it into doing it a certain way that he did not ordain. I mean, and she ran down all these different examples of when uh, she said that God said he told you, go buy somebody a new wardrobe. And you said, well, I'm going to get him clothes out of my wardrobe because I'm not going to spend that money. New clothes are new clothes, right? And then the last thing is, she said, the more you talk, the less you do. And that when the greatest people in God's kingdom got their instructions from the Lord, they went off and did it. And what did she say? You didn't, you didn't hear Abraham talk about what went down with him and God outside of the, the slice that got in the word. So those are the two things we wanted to highlight for you today before we roll into today's message, whatever it's going to be. I have my notebook. I'm ready, even though I'm not ready. But we're ready now to introduce our host, Dr. Paul Price. Yes. Am I excited? First of all, I'm excited about this. Yes. I'm excited about Tulsa Prophetic Training. Absolutely. And we're excited because she's right. We have blown out. Our numbers. You can tell that this has become the institution uh, that God is using now to to deal with and to present this prophetic self. And so we are excited. I'm excited about the, the, the speakers we have. I've had a great time. The two powerful encounters with the Collins twins, unlike the twin prophets. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just going to keep on loving on God. I said, God... Don't say, let us not say you don't have your own novelty, if you will. So we got the twin prophets, and I tell you, these are some of the most wonderful young men I have met in the kingdom. Some up. I don't often meet young men that mature, that stable, or that passionate about the Lord. I pray for them always because I need them to stay that way. Because, you know, you have to pray that we stay that way. We rise on boldness. Mm-hmm. Until we meet coldness. Ooh. And see, we all, Paul said, pray for me that I may speak the word of God with all boldness. 
Because let me tell you something. When you make the coal, you have to, you then you then get to find out the temperature of your passion. And, and so I, I'm excited about them. I have nothing but the, just the Lord. I, I just thank Him for them. I, their maturity, their growth, their uh, commitment to growth, and knowing where they are. You know, sometimes when you when you're somebody like me, I've been out here so long. I've met a lot of prophets. Trust me, I've met a lot of prophets. So much so that I can tell the prophets before they open their mouth. And when they open their mouth, I can pretty much tell you what kind of prophet they are with. Right on down to whether or not they're going to be faithful. Some of the people who fell today, I knew they would fall in the 80s. I told it. It's on record. Oh, no, they're not. No. Mm-mm. I said, there's no loyalty to Jesus in their mouth. So I kind of, you know, you've been out here a long time, and then you study the, the, the institution and all of that. And so I listen to them. You know, I don't li- just listen to the words or the sound. I- I'm not just going after the audio clip. I listen to the spirit and the soul and the textures of the Holy Ghost. Technical difficulties, you know, when you start talking about prophets and cleaning up stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The dust mites come out. We have those, I call them the technology dust mites. Hallelujah. How we do? Well, I'm going to keep going because that's what I do. And we're going to see what happens. But I want to tell you, there is a texture. Every prophet spirit, every prophet soul has a texture. And you have to understand the texture. Now, here's what's interesting. When you think about, because I'm going to talk about Jesus Christ, the prophet, because I know most of you all don't know Jesus came as a prophet. I'm going to hit something early in the game. Boom. Yes. Uh-uh. Loving it. Loving it. I, many times, you know, when you hear, like, evangelicals and theological churches and all of that talk about Jesus, they ignore the fact that he came as a prophet. <laughs> he came. His or he was ordained to hit the planet as a prophet, not a pastor, not an evangelist. He pastored what God gave him. Those twelve and whatever. So I guess we won't have that today. Um, let me find another jack. So he pastored what God gave him. But Moses ordained that Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world hit the planet as a prophet. So all of you all who say you don't believe in prophets don't believe in Jesus. Come on. Because you can't have it both ways. Well, I prefer to see you can prefer whatever you want. I'm sure that the people on your job prefer you don't be their supervisor, but they live there. <laughs> I'm sure that your children prefer you not be their parent when they want to have their way. But you know what? They live with it because you cannot rewrite the scriptures to fit your inadequacies and your deficiencies. You cannot do it. So I want you to know that if we're going to deal with this thing, and we're going to deal with it uh, today, we're going to talk about it. So it's welcome to the Jesus and Paula show. I always give him top billing because I figure if I give him top billing, then he will kind of carry the load. You know, it's a tactic. We'll see what happens. (laughs) And he makes this make sense to you. So getting back to prophets, the first office, the first 
ministry office, the first official office in creation, in, in the Almighty's creation, because, you know, other people got the, I don't know what, what the mother God did. You know, I, I do know. We'll talk about them when we get in our class on spiritual protocols. But the first official ministry, official office in creation post-Eden is the prophet. If you are taking notes, I want you to write that down, because that's what we're going to hit into today. I'm going to have a blast today. And since Jesus is, you know, he's the one that's doing the heavy lifting, he's going to have a blast. And the reason I'm focusing on prophets right now is because I want to give you good reasons to show up in two weeks so that you can get the rest of the information and the rest of the, the wisdom that you need. So you have to recognize some principles. See, these are what we call prototypical truths. Archetypical truths are those that come from God's heaven and God's realm and his era before we, he made earth. So we, the prototypical foundation of all creation is the prophet. Now, if you understand that, then you also understand why the enemy wants to abolish the office of the prophet. Because God, the first Thing God did. Oh, um, I like this guy. Yeah, I'm gonna get one of those silver. Hey, one of you all, send me one of them silver ones, like the hotel one. Ding. Send me one of those. I like. I got a dinger. Oh, they say I already got one. Don't send it because I'll get a hundred. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> but I like these because you know I know that this is what you would call unusual Christian you know, talk, show, whatever. But I know I drop things on y'all every now and then. I give y'all kind of like comic relief. Y'all need, you know, because when you're heavy like me, you need some comic relief. Let me get this other thing up here. So we do that. And we also let you know that God has fun. The truth doesn't have to turn into a lie for us to have fun with it. And that's the message we're communicating. You either have fun, fun or you're in the truth. You, the two, the tr- fun, pleasure, humor, and, and all of that are not to coexist with the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ or the truth of the gospel. I love it. I like those Christian, what we talked about Sunday, those Christian comedians, the ones that are clean, because you got some that skirt that edge, but the ones that are clean, I get a kick out of that, because you know what? I laugh at us. We are funny. Humans are funny. <laughs> we just are. We're funny at our best. We're funny at our worst. And we're funny all the way through humor. If God likes laughter, we ought to have that there are going to be some prophetic comedians who can give us the gospel and make us look at our stuff, crack up, and then go on with God. So I like this. Come on, give my bell. I want my other bell. You know, I'm going to have, yes, I am. I like the horn. They have, they took, guys, they took my horn. I never got it back. It's like both. Yes. So this here is heaven and Oh, I got to move this out the way so I can have room. So I got heaven, and then, oh. (laughs) And this is, boom. It is so. It is so. (laughs) So I I like that. I I really do. I like having fun in God. And trust me, I'm like this with God by myself. We crack up. Even when he starts chuckling, especially when he catches me wrong, and he ch- I say, but Jesus, you know, I don't know. No, I talked to you last week about 
what it means to be intimate with God. But that first level or dimension of intimacy with God is God's word and him being himself, speaking what he speaks. So we're going to talk about that. So again, welcome. Hey, share, 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 share. And then after that, share some more. And then when you share, share it again. And then share it all over again. And you see the golden mic, that's the words in heaven. See, because we, we, we amplifying the word of the Lord. <laughs> I am having a blast by myself. Uh, trust, trust me. All by myself. I got my toys. Bing, bang. I'm there. I'm going to get a horn. They're going to give me my horn back. I want a little silver horn, little, little trumpet. That's what I want. Blow the trumpet in Zion. That's what I want to happen. And you know, I say it on the air because we'll find out who gets here first. I want that. And you know, Rachel hates this because she's like, why don't you just tell me I would have got you? But that's all right. I like to keep people guessing. Keeps you all on your toes. And so I want to talk to you again about our Soul of Success Clinic because my emphasis, I am a soulologist, which means that God has given me the privilege I didn't say psychologist, so don't you all go into that institution, because that, that institution is not mine. I have no Asiatic influences in this institution. Soulologist, I'm not talking about Asianizing your soul. I'm talking about delivering it from all the works of darkness. So many Christians, many pastors believe in Asianizing your soul. We're going back to those Eastern arts and Eastern religions. I'm not doing that. I'm going back to what the maker had in mind. So I, I deal with your soul, and I deal with the soul of God's people according to the creator, according to what he had in mind, why he had it. So you want to go online and get the Soul of Success Heart Clinic. If you are a counselor, if you're a five-folder or three-folder, you definitely want to do it because you will get no, nothing out of people until we restore their soul. And in order to restore your soul, we must expose it. You realize that when you get surgery done, even laser surgery, they still have a screen that exposes your condition. And if we can't expose it, then guess what? We can't dispose of your devils. We can't dispose of your, your, your genetics. We can't dispose of your trauma or your tear because that's, that's what it requires. Disposal requires us to expose your soul, to expose what's going on in there and how it got there. Some of it is yours, volitional. Some of it is your will. Some of it is your victimhood. Some of it is simply just what was handed down to you, and then it has to do with the sphere of spirituality that God set you in. That's a whole other thing. So we'll talk about that because we have, let's just talk, let's talk Sunday. Isn't it Sunday? Yes. Let's just talk Soul Sunday this Sunday here in Tulsa, and we'll give you all the contact, and you go to my drpaulaprice.com. You want to come. If you are a leader, you want to come. Bring your leaders. Bring your people. If you're a counselor, you want to come. Like I said, I am not a psychologist. I am a soulologist, and I format souls to succeed. That is what I do. So if that's what you want, that's fine. And if that means that we have to go to the root of your heart, go to the root of your brain, go to the root of your training, go to the root of your traumas, go to the root of your abuses, whatever root it takes, in the end, as a soulologist, I, and I am, listen, I'm telling you, this is the next field in God. Because Jesus dealt with souls. And if you key it in, the soul was dealt with immensely in Scripture. 
And what we haven't dealt with is soul because soul is what cries. Soul is what hides. Soul is what we avoid and, and we evade. So we'll talk spirit all day long. Yeah, my spirit, my spirit, my spirit. Your spirit can't dip to your body without your soul. So you want to go on drpaulaprice.com and you want to, you want to purchase the Soul of Success Heart Clinic because we we're, we're digging in this thing. Because you cannot restore the body by ignoring its soul. Because the soul is that two-part entity that's on earth. You want to do that. You want to find out how important it is. What's in your soul? Do you know? How does it operate? Because you've heard the psychological thing, and a lot of that, as I said, is Asiatic. Now, I got nothing against Asia, but I got a lot against what Jesus destroyed on the cross. And all of those Eastern religions and Asiatic things, Jesus destroyed them on the cross. And you can say all day long, yeah, but they help the body. Yeah, they help the physical. They contaminate the soul. Because every power has an anointing, and every anointing comes from some spiritual being. Every anointing. That's why they keep talking to you about other gods. And with all the gods that they've had, and with their long-standing thearchy, see, so there's a difference between the theocracy and the thearchy. There's a long, when you hear those two words, you should know what the differences are, and I'm not telling. At least not today. So all that Asiatic stuff, that's like saying, wow, Walgreens should be a multi, multi-faceted healing institution. No, it's a treatment institution. And you need to know the difference between treating, healing, and curing. So when you start dealing with the external, you're treating. When you start dealing with the, the, the physio- physiological, you're treating. When you start dealing with the internal, you're healing. But when you start treating the soul, you're curing because that is the origin. That's the genesis of everything that happens to the body. And so that's why I like the word Genesis, genetic, Genesis, genetic, Genesis, genetic, gene, gene, gene. I hope that helps you all. Did that help you guys? So you got to buy tickets to get all of the other details. And I'm not going to give it away for free. And then, you know, we're going to we're going to do a one month. I'm still working on this. I'm digging down into this inclusionism thing, especially since so many of our ministers think it's God, and this man is running around as if he had it. But, again, he's Asiatic. Listen to his language. He's very Asiatic. Anybody who's teaching yoga, anybody who's talking about yoga, that's an Asiatic religion. I don't care how much marketeers tell you it's not. Just because the humans don't know a devil is peddling it doesn't mean the devil ignores the humans that are buying it. Coffee. That's another problem. See that? Coffee. See, because they don't want you to realize how much, how much what we do or that all that we do is governed by some spiritual power because it has to be. Energy, electricity with spirit, it was still shocking people even though we'd never captured it. Now, the world has captured a whole lot of spiritual power and a whole lot of demonism and devilishness and all of that under the label of paranormal. 
and they let you know they found out what we rejected, which is why they're sitting in our seat, because we rejected the power source. We ignored the, the forces that God set in place for the church to sit on top. You got whole university somebody. There's no such thing as a, a devil. If there's a such thing as the Holy Ghost, there's some ghosts. If there's such thing as an angel, then there has to be spirits. And if there is a, 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 a light that we rely on to heal, there has to be darkness for killing. See, we, you, and you bought that. You bought that to the point now that you believe Jesus is not God. You, or, I mean, I'm looking at some of the statistics, and I'm thinking, well, why are you sitting in this church? Get up out of there. Go to your little Asiatic devil. Why are you sitting with somebody you don't believe in? Why are you walking around talking about you're a Christian? No, you're not a Christian because Christians come out of Jesus Christ. Churchians come out of congregations, pastors, institutions, denominations, etc., and theologians. What I love about being God's apostle and then rising up from being his prophet is that I don't have to play the game. And because of that, my limits have been taken off and my information has been declassified for me so I can go in there. How did she get this? I, I earned the right. I did it the way you do with any high power. If you want a high power to trust you, you what do you do? You serve. You suck up. You obey, you give, you sacrifice. Yep, because it all began with him. So I loved up on him, and he said, oh, well, since you're going to treat me like this, let me give you something else. And so I treat God as if he is forever. I'll tell you how much you how to give this. This is a good test. This is a good test. Here's how you know where you stand about Jesus Christ and where you fit. When you talk about him, do you say Jesus is or Jesus was? Because if he was, then to you, he's still in the grave. But if he is, then he's risen from the dead. So if you don't think Jesus is, and you're still saying he was, guess what? You don't believe that he is. Those that come to God must believe that he is and that he's a reward of them that diligently seek him. And you're like, you hear people say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't know if Jesus, and you're not a Christian. Because the first thing the Holy Ghost tells you when he gets inside you is that we are real, and y'all are. So I'm going to do a nice long one on inclusionism and a light and extensive series on yoga, and I've just been touching it. You key in the word thearchy. Key in the word thearchy. You're going to find out how much you yourself belong to a lot of gods. But I love that about Jesus Christ. I got one God. Life is easy. It's kind of like the man that's got to have 50 women and the woman who has to have 75 men. I know they always think women are less, but they're not. And so, you and you have to juggle all of those temperaments and personalities, and you have to do it because each one of those deities has got to provide a vessel and an outlet for all of those that make up its composition. But again, spiritual protocratic. What's the what's the power that's driving you? What is the power that's backing your particular sphere? Because you have a power. You have a there is a power now. It, many of them operate anonymously, and of course they operate anonymously because deception doesn't work too well with you know truth, reality. Deception and reality they kind of c- clash. 
So you could say, well, I just don't believe that. Yeah, you do. If you, if, honey, if you had sex with somebody yesterday, last night, this morning, with somebody that you're not married to, you believe in Asiatic religions. Because they must have sex for fertility rights so those demons can pass through, out, and transit, and populate the planet. Well, no, Dr. Price, it's not that. It's just my needs. No, it isn't. It's your devil's needs. And he's using you to fill them. Oh, well, I'm not supposed to say that? What did you think they won in the garden? They won the right to do you like this and deceive you into thinking that it's some sort of psychological disorder. So whatever they classify as psychological is not what God classifies as zoological, which is why I'm a soulologist. Because I'm for what really destroys your soul. And they are for whatever keeps your soul in trouble. That's why you keep going. They keep telling you you're all right. They keep telling you all of the things that God has already marked throughout eternity as detrimental infestations and contaminating. All of those things are established for God. They're in his own. God has his own DFM. And in God's DSM, whatever destroys, whatever contaminates, whatever debilitates, whatever kills, that, as far as God's concerned, is sin. God has no morality. That's why we keep changing the laws. God has righteousness. This is how I made it. This is how it was supposed to function. This is how I tested it. You know, the book of Genesis said God looked at everything he did and said it was good. And this is how I ordained it to function. All right, so now. I put, I, I put my prototype in the planet. Adam is the prototype. Jesus is the archetype. And so I put my prototype in the planet, and I put him to the test. And the test was whether or not this prototype can sustain or not sustain darkness. So we'll get into that again. You're going to love it. That's why I can teach this. I don't care what they tell y'all. I'm telling you, I don't care. They're running off lies that you all have, have institutionalized for centuries. I'm busting that up. Those are lies, and I can prove to you, particularly those of you who name the name of the Lord, that they're lies. They're lies. Devils need you to destroy whatever God enjoys. Write that down. Devils need you to destroy whatever God enjoys. So when you look at what you heard was God and someone coming behind it and saying, that's not God, and giving you the alternative, which requires the destruction of your body, marring, scarring, piercing, contaminating, uh, you know, intoxicating, all of those are the elements that they were left with when, they, when God took their power from them, the power of eternity. And then the enemy is angry with you because you are receiving the power of eternity and immortality that was taken from them. So they need you to love your mortality. They need you to love your scarring. They need you to love destroying yourself. They need you to do that so much so that they have built an entire institution to replace you called AI. So because in AI, the things that God can change you, change, uh, stop you from doing by changing your heart, they are programming it in those artificial intelligences so that God can't touch it. That is why when you read in the book of Revelation, God is tearing up the planet and humans are angry with him and won't change. They won't change because they can't. So while you're saying they're hardwired to resist 
the Most High, to resist heaven, to resist God. God is just simply preaching the gospel and letting it play out because they have elements of the of human genome in them, and it's that elements of human genome that has to hear. Every part of God's life has got to hear the gospel, even if they don't want it, because whether they agree or not, hallelujah. Hmm. God's got to judge them, and how can you judge something if you have no record of trying it? So you can talk, you can listen to your pastors who decided that I like having Miss Susie on the side and I like having Brother Boo Boo on the side. You can listen to this. Leave me alone. <laughs> Leave me alone. Ooh. But I'm telling you that those preachers made a decision for their souls. When you hear them, it is up to you to make the decision for your soul. Because when you stand there, nobody is going to say to you, well, um, I know you didn't have a choice because you were in that church that didn't preach so-and-so or that preached this or that, so I know you didn't have a a choice. No, God's going to say no because I told you to get out. I told you to leave that church. I told you 10 times. I told you to leave the church. I told you to move out of the area. I told you to do a lot of things. And you told me all the reason that you couldn't so that you wouldn't. See, God doesn't hear couldn't. God hears wouldn't. Now, Dr. Price, how can you say that? Because he said whosoever will. And he says nothing is impossible for those that believe. Nothing is impossible means that God himself can make the way if you will obey. Oh, somebody's in here. I got to go. Angel, amen. Angelic, amen. Righteousness, amen. Did you like, I like this little guy. Woo, when did I get this? This is cool. I love it. I love this little guy over here. This is great. And I'm going to hit, boom, it is so. You can tell God when you die, you're going to lay on your deathbed. And you're going to say, God, I just couldn't move because. And God said, you wouldn't move because. Because whomever you yield yourself to obey, that one becomes your God. So if your idol is your children, your job, your career, your family, your mama, your daddy, your hubby, your wifey, God doesn't read it like that. He reads it as, you have another God before me. See, you have to get in the Bible. Because, see, God said as much to Peter and company when he said, listed all of the things that he expects you to leave for him. And you hear, he said, but if you hate your mother, your father, you're not, but up, but up more than me, you, don't, you are not worthy of me. Hear me. We're so stuck on the fact that I don't want to hate my relatives that we didn't hear that the end of it says, you are unworthy of me. So you don't want to read that. We got a lot of books out there, women writing books about, obey your man, even if he isn't worthy. Are you kidding me? Y'all are in bondage to whores, to alcoholics, to to drug addicts, to fornicators, to adulterators, and you're saying, but God won't let me leave. No, he probably won't let you leave because you shouldn't have been. 
So he has no alternative place for you. Now he got has to create create the 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 default place because you forfeited the destiny. I'm telling you, I don't care what a preacher says. God says you should have no other God before me. And he said, if you love anybody, even your marriage more than me, you're not worthy of me. And so what happens is you've lived through this thing, and then you get divorced when you're old age. All your energy is spent on devils and your husband's God, your wife's deity. That's what happened to Solomon. Solomon's marriage just took him out. Those wives. I'm moving on. Anyway, before I go into what else I'm going to say, I want to remind you about prayer advisements. We have intercessors here to help you pray through. Now, I want to tell you this. Nobody is saying you can't pray for yourself, but I don't have to, in today's troubled world, explain to you the difference between who can and cannot get a prayer through. And if there are some hidden issues in your life that no one knows about, perhaps not even you, that need that are standing in the way of answered prayer, you might need the stronger man. The Bible talks about a stronger person. It also talks about God has specified intercessors that he's cut covenant with that he will heed no matter what they say or when they say it. We'll talk about that when I get into back into spiritual intervention. See, I have a whole journey for us. We're going to be together a long time. And please don't think that I'm going to run out of stuff. My staff will tell you. I don't run out of stuff. <laughs> so if you want to, then when you need a prayer partner, because some of you won't been out of church so long, you don't have a prayer partner. You got a, a, a death sentence from a doctor and nobody to talk to. You have a pink slip on your job and no one that you can grab hands with in prayer. So we are filling that void for you. So this is our Paula Price Soul of Success Prayer Advisement. You call. They tell you how to walk you through it. You can call every day. You can call, you know, three times a day. If you want to go through the process, yes, you can get somebody to walk you through every day, or you can talk about a three month of, of 30, 60, 90-day project. If you have a long-standing project, you need a lot of prayer, hey, do that. So schedule yours today, and then we have, of course, the prayer solution. We just discussed that. I'm so excited. Intercessory prayer, prayer advisement, and then after that, you can engage your personal intercessor. You don't have to worry about, Lord, I wish I had somebody to pray with me. You know, somebody right now, you are a mother, you have teenagers, teen children, and they are really difficult. You need answers from God, and you know what? You can't even get anybody to do it. How about this? What if you are a church leader? You don't even want to tell anybody in the church that you're wrestling with that. How, what about a private prayer advisor? That person doesn't have to tell. Nobody has to know, and you can get the prayer and, uh, and, and intercession and intervention that you need. You can mobilize the supernatural on your behalf with someone who has been doing it for like over a decade. I'm getting it. Oh, we talked about, oh, we've already talked about that. Apostle Ashton handled that. Oh, I want to talk about um, to apostleship today. We, we have a, our AIT program is looking for candidates. If you're interested, go to Dr. Paula Price, uh, PaulaAPrice.com and say, I want to apply for consideration. 
just because you, this is not the university. You don't just enroll and get taken. You want to apply for consideration in our AIT program, which is apostles in training, getting you ready for the apostleship of the future. Because education is always for the future. And then we'll talk a lot more about the next one. Ah, prophetic ed. When you come in June, there's a, a full presentation on prophetic ed, what it means, what it does, and how it works. I just thought I'd, I'd say that just to show you that you are supposed to be a prophet. Do we understand? And prophets did not originate in churches. Prophets did not originate in churches. Prophets did not revive under pastors. Well, they shouldn't have, but they didn't originate that way. Pastors never ruled prophets. Priests never ruled prophets. The only thing that ever ruled prophets were kings and chief prophets and prophets like Samuel. So this whole order, as it came back into existence, is actually chaotic because it's out of order. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Now, should, should prophets be educated? The Bible says every prophet had to go to a school of the prophets, be under a chief. Now, this is Bible. So if you are a Bible prophet, because a lot of y'all may not be. <laughs> Just saying. Some of you all, I know you're not Bible prophets because you don't prophesy Bible. You could tell what a prophet is by the, just tracking their words, tracking, tracking their prophecies, and see how much that God and his word and his truth are laced throughout the prophecies. So when I tell people, no, that's, uh-uh, that prophet's not a God, they get mad at me. I mean, they get hot. I'm like, no, no, y'all that dark art stuff, y'all like all of that dark Asiatic art. I don't do that. I, I operate on the eternality of prophecy because prophecy is Jesus, Jesus Christ. And his testimony. Can you hear that? Jesus Christ, comma, and his testimony, comma, are the spirit of prophecy. Prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. And what bothers you is that you don't know how to get Jesus to talk to you beyond the predictive sphere, which you can tap into and pick up by the resident prophet spirit in your being. See, because all prophets have a spirit. But then you all remember, see, I got the, the um, here you go, right here. Prophet's Dictionary, Prophet's Handbook. And most of you all, you know, a lot of you all have read it. I mean, we're talking about, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of copies, three, three, um, three um, languages for the dictionary, and God knows how many nations. You're hard-pressed to go into any nation. I know because they tell us when they're there, I'm standing here in London, and I see your book. Yeah, because prophets are global. That means we're all over the planet. So I'm going to talk to you about that. But but you have to recognize whether or not you're a prophet of Jesus Christ or not. Not that you intend to be a prophet of Jesus Christ, but that you took literal steps to make sure that's the only kind of prophet you could be. Ooh. See, because a lot of you all, tap, you know, you put your finger in the well, I ain't no money in that, I ain't no money in that, uh-uh, no. But if you are a prophet of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to make people feel like the scriptures came alive in the 21st century. Mm. 
You know, hold on. I'm not going to act cleaner because you know what? Y'all got enough people who are lulling you to sleep with their hypnotic tongue. I don't want you to go to sleep. I want you to go. Oh, I'm done. <laughs> I don't want to hypnotize you out of the truth and into a lie. I don't need to hypnotize you. Um, and when truth comes in, it breaks hypnotics anyway. Because truth is like, ah. That's a terrible reproduction. That's a terrible imitation. So where do we go? Let's go. Let's go to school. You know, I'm, I really am excited today. I'm excited because I got a Jesus. I got a Jesus, and he is the truth, the way, and the life. We're going to kick back two years ago. Tulsa, 2017. Do you see that? That says God's description. Now, I don't know how big it is on your screen, and if it's not big enough, we'll find a way. Something, make it fill up, something. But scripturally, grade A, organic, and culturally unmodified Christianity. The word of God starts with prophet. Say prophet. Everybody, prophet. Prophet. Not a cloud. Okay, not, I mean, he may speak through all of that, but the, all of that requires interpretation, which requires, requires a human with a voice, and we're back to prophets, the word of God. So this is um, Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute 2017, and it's called Back to Scripture. Now, why did I say to you a while ago, Oh, look at Apostle Ashley. She's helping you all out. She really does care. Where is the little round thing? Amen. Okay, so we're not having the little round thing. No little round thing. And so this is the class that I taught. Are you getting the whole class? No. So we understand. Because I don't want you to say, I already, I already saw the class in 2017, and, and I said, I'm not going to buy a ticket. Let me tell you something. You may have been vegetating since 2017. I have not. I've been incubating and marinating, germinating, ruminating, aiding, Did you get that? So just because you, you only need a little touch, and if you're a real prophet, the last thing you want is a little bit of Jesus. See, the people who want a little bit of Jesus are the people who belong in the pew. I just want a little bit of the Lord. Just give me a little touch. Are you kidding? I want a deluge. Drown me, Jesus. Wash me over. Come on, dip me, dunk me, baptize me, put me. Yes, yes. I can't get enough of the man. And I'm telling you, I tell him that. No, Jesus, no. I know it's more than this and that. Come on, Lord, let's do it. And some days he does, and other days he said, "You're not ready." What? I'm ready. Then I just say I'm ready, and then I have to realize, and then he'll give me a taste. I'm passed out for six weeks. God. My head, I'm like Daniel after Gabriel. Oh, Jesus, I can't even, my heart, I don't even know what you said. All right. So, I want you to recognize that our king and his kingdom are under attack. And most prophets don't know it. 
Like, they won't even admit it. Like, they won't say God's under attack. Or if they say it, they'll say it's the devil and I don't have to worry about it. The devil is like every other spirit, including the Holy Spirit. It needs a host. He needs a host. He needs something to physicalize what he wants to happen in the planet. Every spirit needs that. Energy needs what? It needs a body. We got to plug it into a wire. If not, it's all over the place, and we're getting burned up and carrot fried and what? We don't even know why. But if you are a prophet, do you know that God's, God's kingdom is under attack? Do you know that his purchased possession is under attack, attack, at risk? Do you know that his reign right now, his reign is threatened? Because his, God ordained his reign to happen on earth through people if he wants us to benefit. Otherwise, the angels rule. His angels rule. God's angels rule, but that is not what you want. Under the Old Testament, you know, it's very different because we did not have the, the spiritual dynamics, the spiritual physiology and anatomy because there is an, a spiritual anatomy. And we didn't have that. So we, God had to deal with it. When, when God releases angels to do what he ordained humans to do who are filled with his spirit, it's because the angels have to override what we've authorized devils to do. See, a lot of, you know, everybody's like, yeah, you know, uh-uh. Because God will authorize his angels to step out of the background into the foreground for specific tasks, not perpetual functions. They're not our slaves. I know we like to think that, but they're not. And trust me, even if they pretend to be slaves, they are being the slaves of Jesus Christ. We are their slave assignments. So they are slaves to Christ, and they like it. We think that God's family feels about him as in, or as indifferent about him as we do. They do not. They are on fire for Jesus Christ. They are passionate. They root him on. They sit with him at round tables. They strategize with him. They tell him. They, I mean, literally say, tell us where you want. We're going to give you what you want. That is why it's important for you to recognize that God is moving by his Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is the encasement of every move of God and every agent and representative, instrument, tool, uh, vehicle of God's move. I, don't, I hope y'all get that. I know that was a lot. So our king is under attack. Now, so let me just say the first thing. I said to you over and over again, see, because when somebody has been given the totality of a move, and I have been given it, and yes, I'm claiming it. You could call it bragging. I call it claiming. <laughs> Claim. C-L-A-I-M. So do not inbox me talking about I need to be more humble. No, I need to be more potent. I need to be more powerful. And I need to be more convinced. So I'm telling you, I gave up that whole era of that little, that, that kind of Weak will, medieval Christianity. You know, we all just dirty dogs under the Holy Ghost. I'm neither dirty nor a dog. Not even the B version. I am, I'm telling you, God said to me one day, I will never forget it, but just recently, and I told my team, I said, God said to me, your power is not my 
um, drawback. Your power is your own drawback because you don't want to believe what I said you are and believe what I said you can do until you're in a crisis or calamity. So your faith and your potency are tied to crises and calamity, which is why you're always having crises and calamity because that's when your faith is high enough to exercise the authority that I've given you. Because otherwise, you don't think about it. As a matter of fact, we're ridiculed for believing God for helping us find a parking spot. Did you know where it was? Did you know that the person spot you're taking is paying the bill at the restaurant uh, to register? You didn't know any of that. All you know is that well, luck got it. Luck wishes it was that good. At the casino, they all the luck they peddle. People don't get better. Coffee. So I'm going to tell you right now, I gave up all of my identity crises. I got none. This thing works. It works on some of the minutest things. And I love that it works on the minutest things because that makes it routine. That makes it commonplace. And I like it. I love flowing in this thing. So, mm, yes, I'm all up in the glory. Yes, I am. And I enjoy it. And you know what I found out? God likes it. He's like, whoa, I got someone who believes. Wow, let me stretch out. And so he's no longer standing inside of me like this. He's like, Whoa, yeah, and I do it. And, and I'll tell you what, I work this thing. And I tell my people, I was so um, mentioned earlier, the college prophet, when, I, when they were here, I, and, and I was telling them, I don't know, something we were having a conversation about. And I said, well, then you need to work that mantle. Because my folks have to work their math. Don't tell me you don't know. I don't want to hear it. Don't tell me you can't find something. I don't want to hear it. Everybody here has got to work that mantle. If you're a prophet, work it. If you're a seer, work it. Then that means if you're a seer and you can't find something, hey. You like that? I love these bells, and I know some of y'all have like, ooh, wow, I don't understand why she does it. Don't worry about it. It works for me. It moves my power. (laughs) (laughs) Move my power. When you come into my, I know, when you went my, um, when our classes are in, they have to work this thing. Because the Bible has records that Moses was writing in uh, Numbers that Balaam had the power to make or not make it happen. You all are so busy running from witches, you're not trying to outdo You need to raise that thing up. By the time they get through slicing chickens and dripping blood and plucking feathers and rotisserie and, and then mixing up a little hex there and trying to weave a little effigy and carrying on, we done, we done and gone. We're done and gone because we have the power of God's word. Great in the practice. Oh, my God. I tell you, you better work that thing. You better work it. And I mean manualize the word of the Lord. I do. And I plan to. I'm, and when it doesn't happen, I'm like, I'm like Elijah. Hold on back up. Wait, hope Jesus. Because I work by my office, my covenant, my power, my job description, my classification, and what's declassified. I work by them, and they're a mystery until you earn them. After that, they cease being a mystery, and they become a manifestation. 
I like it. I told Jesus the other day I was doing something, and he, you know, this thing is working. So it's stunning me. I said, hey, Jesus, I think I like this. I said, God, I, I, I'm enjoying my life with you. This is great. I didn't know it was this good in the Holy Ghost. Some of y'all can't come about the dirt enough to find the goodness. Because in your mind, the goodness is your sex. The goodness is your will. The goodness is your boyfriend, your girlfriend. The goodness is your pre- preacher. The goodness is your perversion, your whatever. Everything is your goodness is your will. And I want you to know when you're ready to, to crucify your will, as Elisha crucified those oxen, and you begin to take up the mantle of the Holy Ghost, I promise you, we ain't touched this thing. See, because we confined it, and you know the enemy was smart, we confined it to prophesying and predicting. Well, I can prophesy eight hours a day. Who cares? It's still going to have to go through 24-7, 365 to show up in this world. So now I got 1,000 24-7, 365 chasing me down, confusing my life. The office works on projects. I'm going to calm down. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not even going to tell you I'm going to calm down. That's why it's the Jesus and follow Chuck, because he's not calm, because he's getting ready to release power to those who have put their faith in him. And see, we think, well, I got faith in God, not faith enough to go to school, not faith enough to finish school, not faith enough to find tuition, not faith enough to do homework, not faith enough to get credential, not faith enough to obey, not faith enough to conform. I want you to understand, all you got is lip service faith. We love to testify, testimony. Are you kidding? If you knew how great God's going to make you, you would be ahead of your class. The whole class would be struggling to be A++. You'd blow the curve. But you, right now, are trying to do something because you think God is making you to do it for no end. But when you when you know it's yours, you stay up. When you know it's yours, you tell sleep to flee. When you know it's yours, you tell family, I can't help you. You finish and you do the best you can, baby. And when you do your best, you do not cry when God says it's less than he wants. Because he's going to say it. Like, that's not right. <laughs> you be like, Jesus, I put so much in it. I don't care. He said you put a lot of uselessness in it. I can't use that. <laughs> God would have me write my, do you know, I had to read, and my staff will tell you, I had to redo that dictionary before it got to the publisher seven, eight times. And then I would do it, and it would be all done, and he'd give me 25 more words. Jesus is going to not for formatting. Oh, God. He said, so is this for me or you? He said, because if it's for you, then don't tell anybody it's for me. All right, God, so here we go. And I had to do no typist. I had to do my own editing. A couple of people who tried to edit, they, I come in, they passed out, laid out across the table. Was, <laughs> 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 laid out. I was like, no. what happened? Dr. Price, it's just me. It's just me. It's just me. But in the, this in the Bible say deep calls unto deep. You ought to feel like you're in good waters. No. See? So I ended up being that person who had to do it. Little did I know that it was kind of like my own sort of, you know, wax on, wax off. The more I did it, the better I got. 
the, the quicker I got. Now, I'm so quick that I can pretty much produce a book like this. Format it and everything. All right, now I just need to get somebody who will do the, the proofing. And I used to try to get people, and the next thing I know, they proof, and the next thing I know, they, they go from proofing to publishing in their name. So I didn't trust anybody. Because I hear people say stuff, I'm like, yeah, but see, when you got something to say, folks want it. Well, I would never do that. Oh, I tried them. They did it. And then wouldn't call back. I've had people do that. So you have to understand that God wants the best. He doesn't, but he can't get his best out of you if you're not your best, according to his standards. Moving on, prophets are God's government officials. So there is a strata of prophets that belong in government, just like the psychics. Daniel was put in government. So that God can govern through him. His three friends, government. I'm speaking to somebody because you're saying to God, I don't know if I should run, run, baby. Run, run, run. And take some friends with you. Stop being non-Christian or non-political Christians when all you want to do is fuss about politics. <laughs> so we talk about you can't shut your mouth. But it would be nice if you were a politician who understood where God was despite the party. We need, we need you to be nonpartisan or Godpartisan because that's what he's looking for. So because what is the devil doing? He said, I won. We took all, y'all talked about the seven mountains. We took them. Y'all are having seven mountain conferences with people who can't even climb a mountain, can't get over a molehill. But we took them. You got people who can't even stay awake in prayer, and you're talking about facing off with what? So I'm here to tell you that prophets began as governors. The office began as government. And in every time God kicks off a new move, he moves with prophets. And I would dare say prophets of power. See, every prophet that made the book had a potency. That became the legacy that we're following today. Man, that is. I just thought just because y'all could. I'm going to. Yes. No, I'm not going to stop. Don't write me to stop. Because I know y'all. Y'all be like, y'all so religious, y'all can't have fun in God. (laughs) See, I'm religious because I'm loyal. I really am. And you're religious because you are pious. See, I don't mind being pious, but I want to be loyal to what Jesus is and where he is at any given point in time. And so if you all are, so you are prophets who say, well, I want to be in government. No, you're not getting in government. You won't go to school. You realize you have to learn government. You got to take classes, all that stuff you hate. You got to take classes, read books, do homework, understand law and government, Understand politics, little poli side, all of that stuff that you say is the world. Well, before this became Satan's world, it was God. Just do your history. You know, you now we got you in schools that you don't even have to worry about. Um, you don't have to worry about Bible and anything. And then talking about, I'm gonna represent Jesus from what? From where? What Jesus? Because see, the world is re- reinventing your God, your Savior. So it's up to you. 
to be the, the integrity, to be the, authenticate, the authenticator that says this is minted vintage Jesus. We need that. We need that. So that's something I wanted to get out there. So you have to recognize that as much as you think it's all about church, because we confined it to church, we vacated the, the guardianship and the governing seats of God's realm. We vacated them. See, I want you to understand, when we get a whole bunch of prophets running, we should not be stunned. We won't have anybody prophesying about who's going to win the election. (laughs) (laughs) See, the fact that you all prophesied means that you don't even have a clue about what you were prophesying and the damage that was done. You're interceding for the wrong side. You're interceding for the Antichrist. That Antichrist intercession intervention must die. Well, you know, the Lord told me so-and-so is going to be. No, no. You ought to be up there with so-and-so. You ought to be backing God's lead. You shouldn't have, I'm telling you, we failed God because you should not have been home consoling Hillary when Donald Trump's inauguration was treated like trash. Y'all owe God for that. I don't care what you think about the man. Your job is to back God's play. That's what prophets do. You are the first one to do it. Abel lost his life for backing God's play. Jesus lost his life for backing God's play. You don't back God, you're not his prophet. Well, I just don't happen to see it like that. Because you don't read the Bible. If you saw, if you read it, you'd see it. It's clear. Because if you read it as a prophet, it speaks to you as a prophet. It speaks to you according to God's government. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. What his? Jesus. Who is Jesus? The great prophet that Moses foretold would come. You understand that the kingdom, I'm talking to somebody today. Leave your friends alone. Get yourself with a counselor and a coach who understands what God is doing with you, not what God is doing in their perception. Sometimes you get with coaches who coach you in their sphere. Then you need to get with a high-profit coach, high-profit mentor who can begin to Unpack the prophets in your spirit. Begin to upgrade your faculties. Begin to upgrade your abilities. To begin to make sure that you have more than endowments. You are filled and walking bathed in endowment. Right now, you all are frustrated because you're with the wrong mentors. You're with people who are church prophets. You need to be with people who are kingdom prophets. You're with people who are congregational prophets. You need to be with people who are dominion prophets. You're with people who are all about the local church, and you need to be about local politics. You have missed God, and you're upset because you've followed trends instead of God's testimony. I'm telling you, that's why you didn't get in office. That's why you did, because you went and got a revelation from a pastor who what? A pastor cannot give you political revelation unless that's where it's been. You do not, you don't send your kids to ask the pastor, well, what school should I go and be in? You don't. You go by what the teachers say. You go by those occupying that sphere. And that 
Fear says that your child is a doctor, no matter how much they prophesy, he's a preacher, she's a, an evangelist, it doesn't matter. You send them to school for doctrine. I'm just saying, as God's government officials and founders of every government, prophets are God's muscle. So when God has to push back on darkness, he begins with prophets. Unfortunately, when it came time for these prophets, there was no model, there was no pattern, there's no backdrop, backdrop other than scripture, and that had been so evangelicalized that nobody could see the dominion and the kingdom issues in it. Oh. So when God wants to make a thing happen, he pushes back with prophets if he can find prophets strong enough in him and convinced enough of him, persuaded by him to do this. I'm telling you, right now, this thing launched wrong. That's why we didn't see this coming. Now, I saw it coming, so I'm not going to say, I'm not jumping in there, because I was trying to tell prophets. I spoke to some of the greatest prophets that we had back in the 80s and 90s, and you know what? They blew me off, because they were living in the present. If you're a prophet and the present is your prediction, we got a problem, because you are a prophet of the obvious and not the prophet of the developing. And I talked to them, oh, no, uh-uh, he's going to be around a long time. Where is he? All of those. And, you know, God said that to Israel. He said, well, where are all your people? Where are all your prophets who told you this was going to turn out well? Where are they? But you got to read the Bible to understand the mind of Christ. And you have to understand the Old Testament because in the Old Testament, the prophet God authored himself for the New Testament. So he authored in the Old Testament how he handles our nation so that when he got that template right and correct, he then sends his son as the Moses upgrade so that we will know how to operate what he's always been doing, and that is all nations. Tell somebody to get on. She's, she's dealing with it. So the re- so you're learning. you got people who are putting you through prophetic education and no Bible which means you have no constitutional framework for how God does things. All you have is a charismatic gift. So when it comes time to speak or, or, or do anything prophetic, you are confined to that, even though Scripture shows those prophets did some phenomenal things outside of the public eye. See, gifts are showcases. You see what I mean? But offices are executive. So you need to understand how this works out. That's why we can be God's muscle. That's why people can tell me all day long, well, I just think so-and-so is going to win. I'm like, no, they're not going to win. You know why? Because I'm occupying my office. I'm not only discharging the office of the prophet. I am enforcing God's will. I'm enforcing it. I'm imposing it. And I'm enacting it. So I don't have to have a, a, a somebody said, well, all the, what did they say to make an eye? All of the prophets agree he should go to war and he'll win. Make an eye says, so I'll say the same thing. So he goes and he says the same thing, and the king slaps him. The king slaps him because he knows his prophets are liars. And he knows that he has no influence over Micaiah because he is the prophet of Yahweh. So he slaps him. He said, didn't I tell you, always tell me the truth? So he told him the truth. The king got angry, threw him back in jail, and went to war. He didn't go to war because he didn't believe him. He went to war because he thought his sovereignty could overturn the omnipotent 
and omnipotent of the Almighty. He thought he could turn the prophet's words into his prophet's divination. See, because it looks like, well, he just didn't believe. He clearly knew his man was telling him the truth. They had history, history of Micaiah saying the opposite. Isn't this good? Do you all appreciate this? I like that. Me and the bell. So I need you to recognize that you're without knowing God's word. You don't know his patterns. You don't know his history. You don't know his experiences. You don't know his encounters. You don't know his remedies, his solutions. You don't know his soul. See, you're so caught up in the Holy Spirit, it hasn't landed on you that God has a soul. Yeah. So, by now you understand that God, by prophets, God founds and sustains his government. By prophets, why? What is it about a prophet that would be, what, I mean, the makeup of a prophet? And I know you have people say, well, that was Old Testament, and, and, and if one could do it, all can do it. If one can go and make it to Yale and another one can't, guess what? One can make it into an industry, another one can't make it into that industry, even though they try hard, went to school and everything. You know why? Because you have to start out with the equipment. You have to be built for it. And prophets are built differently, and their souls are built differently. They have a consciousness of God and God's realm that other people don't have, but that benefit other people. So we're in a culture war. Now, everybody has told us, but where are the prophets? Well, we got the prophets of culture who are acting as double agents, and they're telling you, listen, God doesn't care. It's okay. Don't worry about it. God's going to forgive you. This is where God is going. And they're telling you what the pastors taught you, that the word is legalism. It's legalistic. It's religious. That you got from pastors. And prophets, the prophets and apostles who picked it up got it from pastors. And it doesn't say anywhere in Scripture where God ordained a pastor to found any significant thing for him. Apostles found it in the New Testament. Prophets found it in the Old Testament. When the priest cut up, God, when the ark was gone, because the priest cut up, Eli and, and, and all of those that he devolved from, he came from, when they cut up, God separated the priest from the prophets. A lot of us don't realize that's why he had Samuel raised in the temple, because Samuel was going to do something that had been unheard of since Moses. And that is, he was going to be the fusion of the priest and the prophet. So he was going to take Eli's place in those high priestly functions. And he was going to yet remain the prophet that pulled that institution together so that they would have their proper station in society, in government, in kingdom. So he met, Samuel made the prophets royal. So up until that time, they were just village wanderers, like they, you know, a lot of them are today. Not all, but a lot of them. 
Samuel made the prophets royal, which means he made them useful to the sovereign of the land. So as long as the ark was gone, the covenant is broken. So now we need coverage. Even if the covenant is broken, God still goes for coverage. He still occupies those fears. And Samuel did that. And in that capacity, Samuel institutionalized the prophets to be loyal to Yahweh, which is why the priest and prophet were fused, because that faculty was working according to Balaam. He needed it to work according to Moses. Got to come. So we're in a culture war. What took out Eli? Culture. The word of God, the more that culture rose, and culture being what? The institutions and the, um, the, the words and the verbiage of other gods, the direction. So culture comes from the word cultist for the rituals and arts and practices of a people according to the will of their God. So while we're walking around here talking about, well, culture, 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 that's, trust me, you need to ask what God they're, they're listening to because they cannot find these rituals and practices being approved of God. They're unapproved cultural because of their deities. When I do my uh, spiritual protocratics class, we're going to talk about that just a little bit more. A cultural war is a cold war. It's a war of words, words that literally craft policies and actions that become a work. So we're looking at this. You're looking at television. For example, I pay attention. If you're watching on the wall, you need to stop just going for entertainment. And stop going to so that you can, um, uh, you know, hide out. I've been watching in order to push this LGBT, Q-R-S-P-N-O-Y-Z agenda. They're now doing a lot more commercials with homo pairs, same this and same that. You also see a lot more commercials because you're not, you, if you don't know strategy, how can you be a solution? And they're doing a lot more where you're seeing men jumping on each other now and hugging each other like the good old boy and kissing each other, even though it's supposed to be a a, a friendship kind of thing. See, because they're working on what we call the subconscious acceptance. They're making you a subconscious approver. So that by the time we get to three years out, it's not going to be anomalous any longer. It's going to be the norm, and it's not only going to be the norm, it's going to become culture. It's going to move from culture to custom, from custom to constitution. Wow. That's not a possible thing. Wow. That's how a political prophet would think. So you, right now, you're looking at it, and you're just saying, wow, wow, and you're not noticing that three commercials have gone by with women in pools, women holding with their arms around each other. You haven't paid attention to that. Because their psychologists, I'm a soulologist, but their psychologists spent billions of dollars to figure out how to mesmerize you and how to hypnotize you into subconsciously 
germinating what they want you to vote on when it's time. And so you, when you get ready, we get in those election things, all of this media is flooding in on you all over the place. All of this media is rushing into your soul, and it's incubating, and it's incubating until it can transmit to your mind, document to your brain, and then become your habit and become habitized by your body. See, you don't know that. That is why you need an education. Because, see, you're still talking about prophesying who won't win. You don't know that you don't have to let them win. See, I don't care. I heard people prophesying about Hillary, but I'd already seen her little goddess article. I'd already seen her little, had a picture of her being had, had it as a witch. So I already knew. I knew that God couldn't have chosen her. Because God has never approved of witches, ever. He has never. And now, based on all that we allow Brother Barack to do, we now kill him babies on the birthing table. And we're calling it a birthday when it's a death day. And we're calling it an abortion when it is a killing. See, but this didn't happen. This thing, this is when you when you put people who have an, a, a, a real agenda in power, they come in on the the thing you can agree with. They always, always gain their foothold with what you can agree with. That's why you need to figure out what your soul contains and what your soul has been literally germinated to habitat in the flesh. You don't know that. All you know is that, yeah, but so-and-so cried. I don't care. Baby, double cried. When they got, can you imagine how unhappy they were when God said, y'all out and never coming back? And, they, and, and when they got out, how did they convert people? They became victims. They painted themselves as victims. Villains will always paint themselves as victims when they know you are hyper-emotional or you are superstitiously spiritual. So they can always use that whole victim thing. They're going, how do we get Roe v. Wade? One victim. One woman had a problem, did not want to have a baby, felt that she should, she, not, she should have, have an abortion because her husband had sex with her, uh, according to the marriage covenant. And here we are today. Millions and millions of lives later, because she had a problem. One Remember, villains will always lead their campaign with victims. See, this is how a political prophet would think. This is how an apostle would think. Not, I don't care, people got a right to do what they want to do. No, they don't, because, baby, you want to run lights all the time, and they don't let you. Somehow or another, they can decide that they need to prohibit you from running lights, but authorize you to kill kids. Why? Because we aren't in seats of power any longer. Because if we were, we would see what the problem is. They can't see the problem because they are literal representatives of the dead, the doomed, the mortal, the dying, the deceived, the deluded, and the defrauded. When we talk about it, I told you all, well, you all probably don't remember, I told you about the book, Psalm 82. You need to get that book because then you'll understand how we got here. Psalm 82. It's 
uh, there are issues that I have, but let me tell you that the first early pages, the first early five, six chapters, they, they answer a lot of questions. You want to know how we got there, and they also tell you why you want to get in politics as a prophet, because they prophesy. See, they prophesy where they wanted to be. You prophesy where you needed them to be. You didn't prophesy protecting Jesus, because when you saw them developing and them strengthening themselves, you never prophesied against it because you would have had to mobilize as a unit. You'd have to become a force. We've not yet become a force because we're too busy being congregational, applying ourselves to various local churches or Christian ministries and businesses. But see, we never galvanized. We should have. Because they, if you listen to, just go back and read all of the news. What they said they would do, they did. Because they believed in the power of their office. And what they, what you let them do, they did. And they discredited it, and they dissimulated your office. They ridiculed us, and mocked us, and scorned us, and today are using the same scriptures that we threw away. How much scripture do you hear in these these, um, television scripts? But if you don't know the Bible, you don't even know that they're using your your own weapon against you. Mm -hmm. They've taken your gun, taken your arsenal, taken your armory, and now they they have retrofitted it to serve the purposes of darkness. Political. Yeah, you should run. But before you run, take time to know God. Take time to know the God you say you're going to represent and back. My prophets are here somewhere. Apostle. Got a bell for you. (laughs) All of them are chiming today. Everybody's ringing. I'm getting a horn. I'm going to get me a nice little silver trumpet. Yeah, I am. I'm going to be nice. You know why? Because some of y'all think y'all heard so much. Y'all, you think you listen, you're not. Every now and then I go, you're like, ooh. <laughs> Somebody face my face and say, what's up with that bell? I said, it rings. <laughs> why not? Why not? Making it, you know, not like everybody else. You know, I dress like everybody else. Don't I? I did that last week. I dress like everybody else. But I'm not going to act like it's the Jesus and Paula show. And since he is the Lord God of creation, we're going to blow the trumpet in back. Or uh, presently, yeah, price you. Okay, he won't draw Figuratively. Figuratively. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, welcome, Prophet Adia. How are you doing? I'm, I'm good. I'm blessed up. <laughs> You know, you're the political girl on the side. So what did you think about all of that? Um, I think that it's really powerful that you talked about being in the present because I think that even when it came to um, the election that we got so zeroed in on culture, present, um, the, the sentiment, sentimentality, humanism, all those different things, and then convinced even ourselves mm-hmm. widely in the church and a lot of prophets. Not you know, she's not just speaking of like one prophetic voice that was wrong on this issue. Many, oh, many yeah. prophets wrong on this issue, but getting very caught up to the point that we started saying, well, those those phrases that are really dangerous. God would never, or I know He wouldn't, or all those different things getting us in trouble. Right. 
you know, the most dangerous phrase you could ever say, God would never, or I just believe, you know, and, and us even as prophets saying the, saying that phrase, I just believe, you know, getting off yes. of our mark. Yeah, you know, exactly. we have no business saying using that phrase, you know, not when it comes to the distribution execution of our office. Mm-hmm. So I just think that you, you know, exposing that and, and exposing even the heart of the prophets at the time and where we were at as a collective, collectively speaking, not every prophet was wrong on this, but just collectively the prophetic community, mm-hmm. where our hearts were at, where our minds were at. So I just think it's a really powerful discussion that we have to have. Otherwise, we'll miss it again. Oh, yeah. Uh, baby, and let me tell you something about. Um, I've had people say to me, "Well, God'll, God'll fix it when they get in. When your, when your choice gets in, you who know nothing, you who can't see whether or not you have a car accident tomorrow or in five minutes, you're gonna say what God can fix. So let me give you a little bit of a deliverance statement on that. God." First of all, you have to know whether or not it's God. And if you don't know God's righteousness, then you can't know. If you think that God is going to pick your choice because they give you handouts and they give you all of these programs and all this free money to do we don't know what, if you think that's all it takes for God, then you don't know the Lord. Because God says, what is God doing? He says, I'm working my righteousness from heaven down. That's what he says. Bible says that. He said, I am working righteousness. From heaven down. So if it's if it's righteous to God, that's what He's working on. If it's unrighteous to God, that's what He's working against. So when you think about God being able to do anything, you are correct. God is able to do anything, including sin. But He said, "I cannot sin because I didn't put sin elements in me. I have I've not mm. cursed myself." I've not cursed my makeup, so I can't sin because there are no curses in me. That's interesting. So now let's talk about that. Let's say, okay, so he can't sin. That's why God cannot lie. He cannot lie because he already he laid out all truth. He defined truth from the lie. So he can't lie because if he lies, according to Jesus, he surrenders everything he is to Satan. John eight forty four. You have of your father the devil. And the lust of your father you will do. See, some of y'all thought you were God's kid, but you realize now you were doing the lust of your father, and your father's God. (coughs) So we go on, and we think about this. So then I've heard people say, well, you know, God can make anything happen. He can, but how will you know he did? Mm. See, God can make your will happen, but then he's got to make everybody else's will happen, whether it agrees with you or not. So your singular will is not enough for God to say, yeah, I'll do this. And if he does it, he can only show it up in a body, in a being. It's got to show up. A being has to carry it out. So he has to create it, hand it off to the spirit that is um, governing for him and the one that is governing against him. So now he does that. He's got to get it into this world. He's got to get it into the seven-day-a-week, 24-hour day, 365 world, physiology, into this world. So it has to get into the world's cosmogony to get into its physicality. So now, once he gets the purpose person to do it, he then has to protect them, you know, perfect them. And as he's perfecting them so that they be be good, because God will only use you when you are going to yield what he wants. I don't care if it's sin. He educated Judas to do exactly what he did. He He educated the devil So let you know the darkness And the light must obey me 
I instruct the darkness and the light. So I and God authorizes the darkness to be there for the for the unbelievers, and He authorizes the light to be there for His believers. And it's a hard. I mean, in that realm, it's complex. I promise you, we talk about this all the time. So when you say God can do anything, if you give Him twenty five, fifty years, He'll get it done. Because why did it take forty years for Moses? Why did it take seventeen years for David? Why did it take twenty five years? For Abraham, why did it take every time God wants to take mortality and upgrade it for his immortal purposes, it takes a while. Mm-hmm. So your little believing in this little election is not enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's why he says to Cyrus, he said, but before the foundation, you realize it was centuries before Cyrus came. Isaiah saw him, yeah. and he's down the line. And God has constructed him genetically to do what it takes for God's will to be done on earth as he designed it in heaven. See, we, if you're going to make those kind of statements, be, because I ask people, so how's he going to do that? Mm-hmm. I need to know. I want you to tell me, because we have taken the Bible out of the sphere of technology, mm-hmm. out of the sphere of pathology, mm-hmm. out of the sphere of instrumentality. We've taken it out, and we just kind of leave it there, some pages that some invisible person breathes on and blows, and, oh, that's it. You cannot go in God's word and pick a scripture for his government. Oh, my. He doesn't, all the scriptures is government, so you don't know which one he's doing. Does that mean? Oh, yeah. And I think with that, I think that people, we were so shocked that God would make a move for his own interest because we have so fused our interest with his. So when he makes a move for his interest, we don't. Mm-mm. Does not compute to nope. us. You know, and I think that well, that's we said the devil, happened. Oh, the devil beat up on God oh, and put Trump in office. Not being able to recognize God making a move for his own interest. Mm-hmm. And and really accusing him of being unrighteous when he doesn't make a move that we believe should should happen for us. Right. Which is why he pulled back his power, which is why he's not answering a lot of Christians today. Mm-hmm. So you all felt like that that God being invisible and God being, uh, you know, anonymous and inaudible was, meant he was also unfeeling. But he had, but he had strong feelings about how his church treated him and how his church did not care about his interests. Because before your interests are, are, at least in my scripture, before your interests become a factor, God's interests are take precedence. And you know why? Because they were there before we're foundation of the world. I want you to understand, a lot of y'all Christians are like, I don't know why God's not answering me. He's like, because you don't like me. And he said, you betrayed me. You turned on me. And when you turned on me, you let me know that our avenues of relationship are, some of you are, your relationship with God is literally damaged. It is, yeah. it's mutilated because you chose his enemy and his adversary over him. You chose the agenda of darkness. You chose the agenda of sin. You chose the agenda of murder, killing. You chose that over the prince of life, over the God, the way, the truth, and life. You chose that. And I know, I know you said, well, I mean, that's what everybody was saying. I don't, I didn't care what everybody was saying. And they were trying to say it to me. They would call me on the phone, try to talk to me, and try to say, oh, no. And one woman said to me, well, if, you're, if, 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 if he gets in, he said, I pray. She said, I pray your word doesn't come to pass. I was done with her. I was like, if he gets in, what do you think? You want your word to come to pass because he gets in? Oh. See, there are dumb things we say. We say stupid stuff. 
And we say it because of the blindness of our minds, because the God of this world has blinded our minds, because the veil is taken away in Christ. So I would say to all of you all, you got to go in, because God's not done with this. I know that the, I don't care what the media say. I don't care. I know for a fact. And when you get here in June, I'll give you some of those facts. But I know for a fact that God's not done with this. He said, I haven't begun to move. He said, this is just staging. He said, you're just staging. All this is is staging. He said, I had to rock it off. Go ahead. Staging. <laughs> staging. Staging. But God said, this is all just staging. Satan is doing window dressing, but God is staging. And you need to understand that he said, when I move, I don't stop until I complete the whole plan. In Deuteronomy 32, I believe it's 32 or 33, he said, if I pull my glittering sword, yes. he said, if I pull my sword out of its sheath, you can rest assured it will not return to its sheath until it accomplishes everything I please. So I don't care what the media say. they young kids. They don't have a clue either. They are, I mean, come on. But I'm telling you that they are in a generation where their parents weren't in and their parents' parents were in because we're in a generation where God is doing sovereign. And he said, I've already pulled my sword, and it hasn't taken enough lives yet. It hasn't cut enough officers yet. It hasn't cut enough ties yet. It hasn't sliced up enough devils. So we can have all of that you want because we're, see, a lot of it, even when I look at the prophecies, you all are dealing with print. I'm dealing with the person. The man. Christ Jesus. Maybe next week I won't do as much, but today I'm on it. I'm, I'm fired up. Don't even, don't even imply that. Okay. You want to say something? You got something to say? Well, in what Prophet Adil was saying, you taught us even in um, Prophecy God's Divine Communications Media, the first chapter, those 14 different voices that speak to you yeah. as a prophet, the voice of your culture. I mean, if we didn't see that show up, mm-hmm. especially as African Americans, for sure, in this election, it was... Yes, we're finally having our day as far as even getting Barack in office. Yes, this is it. Yes, this is the moment. I mean, we all grew up saying, you know, this will happen. Well, a black man will become president before this ever happens. And so when it all came together, it just had to be God. And in Mm -hmm. in so many people's minds, it just had to be God. Had to be. Because this is what we said was always owed to us. Mm -hmm. And then likewise with President Trump. Oh, that can't be God. Oh, that wouldn't God be him. Oh, he would never do that. Oh, no, 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 no. And so there is no consulting the Lord No. with a lot of prophets. Lot there of is no seeking his face mm-hmm. because, like you said, even about living in the present, living in the obvious, mm-hmm. to them, this is an obvious sign from God because that's the one their heart wants. Yeah, yeah. Which is not asking what his will and his desire is. And, again, out of the word of God, out of Scripture, he does stuff like this all the time. From beginning to end. And the, the interesting thing about it is that both um, but Barack and Trump are li- 21st century living examples of Deuteronomy 13. The Bible said when a prophet rises up or, and, and gives you a sign and a wonder and it happens, you need to find out why it happened and who made it happen. Yeah. That's what the, the essence of Deuteronomy 13 is why did it happen and who made it happen. And so I've read that because I think every prophet needs to be 100% inseminated with that particular 
passage of scripture and that example because it's a model, but it's also an infrastructure. So a prophet that assumes that what you see is God, you realize you're not a prophet. And if you are, you're either deceived, immature, or false. Because a, pro, a prudent person, forget prophet or not, a prudent person is going to say, wait a minute, man, I have to examine that a little bit. I have to check that out. So, does anybody know? And the fact that you, don't, you didn't want to check out what happened, mm-hmm. that means that you represented another voice, another deity, which is why you got up and prophesied it. Now, you may not have meant to, because I'll be honest with you, I don't think that the, the prophets of today have had anywhere near uh, enough of an infrastructure right. and a framework for doing the due, performing the due diligence the office requires, the office demands, because the office of the prophet imposes a due diligence upon us because we're watchers, because we're guards, because we're governors. Those three factors impose a due diligence upon us. It also imposes a best practices. We have uh, what we saw was the prophetic in its worst practice. But you, if you had education, if you had, and a lot of you are like, well, I went to so and so school of the prophets. Did it help? Clearly, right. Some of those things are wonderful schools, but they're just preparatory. Right. Some of those things are great schools, but they're just orientation. And we need to start talking about that. Some of those things are very good, but they're just concepts. Mm-hmm. They're conceptualizing or idealizing. You need those words. I know we keep saying, well, I don't want big words. That's why you couldn't understand when they used big terms to right. tell you what they were going to do. Right. Woo! Because prophets must be wordsmiths. Because your institution, <laughs> our, our work table, yeah, our tools, yeah. work. Why aren't you a wordsmith? Why are you running around like some evangelical pew saint talking about, well, I need it easy. Dumb it down for me. Prophetics for dummies. Prophets and dummies should not be in the same thing. <laughs> Prophetics for dummies. No, that's no. not possible. The whole purpose of the office is enlightenment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, praise the Lord. Okay. When you were talking about... Um, Oh, let's see. We, uh, how the prophets had potency that created legacy yeah. that we're following today. <laughs> and thinking prophetically that we take a, a prophet, potent, a potent prophet, and we think that is someone who can preach hard, mm-hmm. prophesy long. Oh, yeah. Long. I mean, we're going to validate a real prophet mm-hmm. by how long they can prophesy to you in that line. And how many times they repeated themselves. No, no, no. That's just, that's just God being emphatic. 16 times? That's not them being limited. Okay. 16 times? I would have rather seen the angels. <laughs> in a drink? They'll get it done. <laughs> but not thinking about the, well, we don't even use words like criteria. No. Laid down by our biblical predecessors. Mm-hmm. The things that they did, the miracles that they worked, the uh, working the elements, bring, resurrecting from the dead, getting Israel out of captivity. Yeah. Can you imagine? Can we talk about the that? massive training Moses had for them? And we know he had tra- training because God showed us. Put your hand in. Okay, take your hand out. Drop down your rock. Pick it back up. Those are just two things. Yeah. But what he knew about God. Because sometimes 
if I could say? Say. Sometimes you need to know how to work God. Oh, I'm sorry, I need to work this out. Because God has a way, and you have to win his approval, and you have to win his trust. And many of you all don't want to go through what it takes to win God's trust and, and approval. But I, I, here I am on the other side, because I was like a lot of folks, come on here, I'm not talking like one who, who did not come through. I walked through it. That's why I could talk to you about pathology, the pathology of the of God's projects, his major enterprise. Because Israel was more than a project. It was an enterprise. Yeah. It was a literal enterprise. Rebuilding the wall, rebuilding the temple, those were enterprises. They were not tasked. They were they were they were filled with tasks. They had plenty of projects, but in the end, they were ventures. God was moving that thing up the line. He said, I have to do this venture in order for my people to be free. And it takes a lot to prove to God that he, you will finish what he gives you to start. And a lot of people have a lifetime of never finishing. And then when they get in their middle years, he doesn't give them anything to start. And then you look around and you get, I don't understand how the sinner get more because they finish. How about See, it? God can, he can exercise eminent domain over something finished. Ah, but we do expect it. Familial nepotism. We do. We I'm a daughter of the king. That's right. Oh, yeah. So I should get the promotion. Because I'm a daughter. Because I'm a daughter of the king. Hello. And we should just roll in it. But this ties to what you said earlier about telling God, but I can't. And he hears, but you won't. In God's mind, that's crushing. That's how. It's crushing, guys. you crushing. That's crushing because we do leave with, but I can't, and you don't understand. Well, how many times do we say, my so-and-so won't let me? me. My, well, my mom won't let me. How old are you? Okay. Are you 12 and your mom won't let you? Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or are you 25 and your mom won't let you? Well, let me tell you this, too. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> that mother and, and parental uh, complex and dependency, those are you making them scapegoats. You do not love your parents that much because if you love them that much, you would not make them the reason you disobey God and get, and bring them into God's judgment. Mm. See, a lot of you all, you bring your family members into the judgment because God needs you to do something. He needs you to stand up for him. And I know you have, but that's under the law. No, that's under, no, no, baby. That's under now. Satan said, deliver such a one. I mean, uh, Paul said about, um, what is it, Alexander and Hymenaeus? He said, deliver them to Satan. Yeah. He said to the man who was fornicating with his mother, deliver such a one to Satan. So God is still turning folk over today, which is why people can't repent. So Mm -hmm. I keep telling you, when folks can't repent of their own free will, it's because God doesn't want their repentance yet. My, 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 my. He wants genuine repentance. So you could say all of that. You can blame your kids. And you notice the people who do this, their kids end up being all kinds of a mess, yeah. like Eli's kids were. Yeah. Because in, your, in God's mind, God, here's something I want you to never forget. Oh, hallelujah. I'm a You're out there now. Go on. I'm going to drink a little. Drink a little water. She's going out a little farther. Can you feel it? I'm just going to hold the chair. I want you to understand one thing about the Almighty. If he said, because we think God's passive about his words, because we're passive. Well, we're indifferent. We're not even passive. But if God says, I will have no other God before me, you need to understand that God exists to smash idols. 
I said I was going out. Yes. Did I not say that? Hey, go on. See, we act as if, well, I just told God I couldn't do it. I just said I wouldn't. And because it takes God a long time, because God is not letting your judgment just come upon you, he's also inseminating you with the very judgment that makes you impotent when it happens and therefore makes you defeatable. Because, see, the angels of God, I keep telling you, they, they're not going to mess with God because they've seen him in action. They know what he looks like. They know his power. They know, baby, and, and, and believe me, they know he's worth their, their loyalties and their devotions because they also know his love. Uh, God said something to me one day, I, he, you know, because he always lets me know when he's giving me something else. And he said to me, you know, he gave me the classic admonishment, and he said, but don't play with me. And so many of us, you think that because you're passive about God's, God's declarations and his mm-hmm. self-assertions, you think your passivity restrains him from being loyal to himself. Oh, my. Wow. <clears throat> See, God has to be loyal to God. God cannot allow. I want you to hear me. I don't know who this is for, but somebody <laughs> needs this particular statement and what we've been talking about. God Almighty God, I'm not talking about them Asiatic deities that make each other, you know, they keep switching and swapping, talking about where singles come from, swingles come from, that's where it comes from. But anyway, but Almighty God began something way back before time, when there was nothing, when there was just him. He began something, and as he Emerged, and as all that's in him emerged, I know we want to think he evolved. He didn't spin into something else. He emerged. As all that's in him emerged and from his life, he realized, I have a duty to sustain these things. I must keep them going. And so in the beginning, everything he had, nothing was affected by death or doom or anything like that. Everything was only affected by his life, his well-being, his health. That's how it turned out. He goes and he whatever these emergencies are, they also emerge, you know, seed after their own seed kind of thing. And so as they're emerging, God it, ha- it has to take on more and more responsibility until we get to what Paul writes in Hebrews 11, which is so powerful because he upholds all things with the power of his word. And then that Jesus Christ is how he made the world. You can think God's going to mistreat Jesus all day long, but Jesus Christ is literally the consistor and the, the vessel of everything God made. It comes through Christ because that's what he did. He named his son Word. And so we go on. And so now here we are, every world, every realm, all of those things, all of those beings, God is responsible for keeping them alive. We like to, you know, we had in the, in the, the crazy people that talked about, I, I want to say, what, in the 50s or 60s, God died? And I always said, well, who killed him? And where did they find him? Who found him? <laughs> and who did the autopsy? I, I want to know. Because that's how much people are willing to believe idiocy about the Lord. <laughs> you know, well, you know, he just said You realize that. You scared if the sun stops then. What are you going to do with God not being around? As a matter of fact, the Bible says that if God feels like it, we all die in one breath. 
So now, here we are, and he has, each time he's written government, he's written constitution, he's written laws, and all of those kinds of things to guide us and steer us from the death that happened to the life, or from the death that we're born into, to his everlasting life in the world that he can't let die. He can't stop. So God, you can talk all of the crazy you want, because people do, and, um, but God can't allow himself to be taken out. Because even the thing that's taking him out would die. Hmm. Nothingness. <coughs> we wouldn't even have nothingness. You know, in God's world, there is no such thing as nothing. Right? Nothingness doesn't exist. And so you need to understand that God is not going to contaminate God. Because to do so is like for our, our you know, our computer programmers and software people to send a virus all the way down. When they, we call it data breach. We call it viral. We do all of that. Well, that is not human origin. But God is not allowing himself to contaminate his creation to the point of being, being irreparable. I, 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 hope, I know that sounds com, uh, com, you know, kind of complex, but it's real. The person Almighty God, who fills all in all, who has grown by what he released, who has grown and enlarged over and over again, because that's how we enlarge, who has done all of this, he has to be around to the last soul says, I want or don't want Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. When that last person, whatever era it is, makes that decision and means it and dies like that, then all of this here is gone. Now, it'll probably largely be done away with since he's chipping away at it here and there anyway. But, but the, you know, people ask me about God, and one of the things I always say is that God is going to take care of God because in taking care of God, he takes care of everything he made. God's taking care of God. And if he has to unhook you, if he has to unplug you, if he has to put you on a shelf, set you aside because you are, uh, you are literally uh, infecting or disrupting something in, in that sphere, then you're gone. And he'll put you on the side. I mean, you think about how many people God just lays them down. They go in comas. They do whatever. Why? Because he is working his plan. I know we told you it's about your plan. No, he's working his plan of salvation. You don't have a plan of salvation. What about that? You never had a plan of salvation because you didn't know you were lost. All right. You didn't know you needed to be saved. You can still fight about that. <laughs> but that's, that's exactly. And so I just want you to leave you with that thought that God is a dutiful God. Peter calls him a faithful creator. He is faithful to his creation. God is not going to contaminate himself, to decompose. He's not doing that. He will literally eliminate from his makeup and from his being, just like we eliminate that which will poison us. Is it time for mm-hmm. Oh, it's time. <laughs> it's time. Some of y'all probably already passed in that plate. We need to do the offering right now. So we're going to give you the information of how you can sow and how you can give. First and foremost, text to give. It's going to be 918-608-1378. 918-608-1378 for text to give. You're going to text the amount that you're going to give today, and then they're going to give you a message back that will let you know how to complete your gift. If you're going to do PayPal, you're going to do paypal.com slash no, paypal.me slash Dr. Paula Price. 
paypal.me slash Dr. Paul Price. And then for Cash App users, you're just going to use that, that Cash App tag, Dr. Paul Price, no spaces for the Cash App tag. And let me encourage you again, there's still time, there's still room. Um, I guess Apostle Ashley can open up the room again if we get enough reason. Um, oh, yeah, the room block. Don't miss this. If you don't get to the room box block, just let us know by email or however you do. Or the uh, what is what is that we have? The little text thing. Yeah, they can they can text us. Uh, the number is nine one eight six zero two two one two three. If you want to send us a text message. And say that you always know that that you want to reach us. Send us that chat back text message. I knew I there it is. would get it. <laughs> Ooh, hallelujah! So I want you to really. Make sure you come. If you're a teacher, if you're a pastor, if you're over a, a group of people, if you're head of a prophetic company or intercessory group, bring your team. Yeah. Bring your team. And, and don't bring them thinking, well, the reason I'm not doing it because then they'll think I wasn't right. What if, what if you get a lot of affirmation? Your people need to see that affirmation firsthand because that lets them know they're in the right place under the right leader. So bring your team. Bring your church. Make sure that you don't allow them to miss this really potent time in God. I love you all so much. Thank you for those of you who have been sowing seed, who sowed last week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I just love you in Jesus Christ. And, again, don't forget prayer advisement. You need a prayer partner? Hey, contact us. We will make sure you have one. And we will see you Sunday at the Congregation of the Mighty, where God stands. Love you. God bless. Have a great weekend.